Good evening. Welcome to Transformation Intensive, the third movement, week 23, Jesus Died for Us. I can tell we've been through 22 weeks of small group. It's getting so my men start answering my questions even before I ask them. <laughs> Pretty soon I was, they won't need me at all. I'll just, you know, somebody just hold up question two, question seven. Um, but that's probably a good thing. You're welcome to take those questions with you at the end of this course at no extra charge. Um, they're, they're usually questions that help you dig a little deeper, uh, get through the surface, so I think that's a good thing. So when I saw this topic, Jesus died for us, I have to tell you my first reaction. What could I possibly say to this group of people <laughs> that would, you know, uh, help you step into Holy Week? You're all um, well-churched, <laughs> prayer-committed, experienced Christians. And sometimes our familiarity with a topic is detrimental. We kind of get numb to it. We know what's going to happen. We know what the songs are going to sing. We know what the pastor is going to say. Uh, so I think Matthew understood this, this human syndrome of ignoring the familiar, when he was writing his gospel. For instance, in his account of Jesus' death, in a short chapter and a half, he uses this one word, over ten, or 10 times, behold, behold. I think that's the word I want to give you going into Holy Week, because I think that will help. Now, uh, I think me and Matthew have a lot in common. Uh, I would have translated that Greek word differently. You know how I would have translated it? George, how would I have translated it? <laughs> Pay attention. <laughs> Pay attention. That's what Matthew is telling you. Uh, so if pay attention is too familiar, so you start to ignore it, then go with behold. Uh, but just think, what does that look like, to go into the Holy Week with a, with a posture, a soul posture of behold? Because there's some really rich stuff. But even with that, it's going to be a heavy week. We've asked you to do imaginative prayer where you put yourself in the story you, you, you imagine you're there. You, we ask you what you see, what you feel, what you hear, what you smell. And this week, we're asking you to do that with the most darkest scene in human history. It's ugly. It's gruesome. It's not fair. It's sad. And we're asking you to step into that. If it gets too heavy, you can think ahead to Easter. I mean, that's what Jesus did. In Hebrews, it says that Jesus endured the cross for the joy set before him. Uh, so he was looking ahead, and he was able to endure that. So that's, you can certainly stay with that. I also want to call your attention to another phrase that I think will help make this week's story a little bit more personal. Um, there's this one short phrase is in three of the Gospels, and I'll quote it out of Matthew. It says, And Jesus cried out again with a loud voice and yielded up his spirit. The climax of the whole event, the climax of human history. And then he says, And behold, 
the veil of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. That's personal. In fact, that's even more personal to you TI retreatants because that means that every time you're praying and you have this even a little sense of God's presence with you, that's testimony to the fact that the veil has been torn from top to bottom. Christ can be present with you because of Christ's death. And that even happened before the resurrection. A common complaint you'll hear about people's uh, prayer lives is they'll say something like this. I tried to pray. It just seemed like the words hit the ceiling and bounced back and stayed in the room. The best answer ever, they didn't have to go any farther than that because Christ is present. So, behold, the veil in the temple is torn ripped from top to bottom. I want to give you just a few more words of instruction, not too much. At this point, you know, we're kind of done teaching. Uh, we have given to you really what you need to know, and the most important thing is just that we give you a little pat on the back and encourage you in your prayer because it's really your work of prayer is the main thing that's happening here. Um, something that's been helpful to me, um, if, do you have that slide with the image of the... So th this is an interesting um, little, it's almost like a graph of the, the heights of some of these various scenes uh, from the last week of Jesus' life. And uh, you'll see over on on the right, the Mount of Olives, and then it, it's a pretty steep hill going down in the Kidron Valley, and then kind of another steep hill uh, going up into um, Jerusalem. Um, one of the things I like about this is that it really, I think, in a very concrete way, helps us to recognize the ups and downs of the life of Jesus, especially here at the end. Uh, the, um, the triumphal entry, which is what we will um, celebrate on Sunday. Um, it's interesting in um, uh, Mark's gospel, he talks about how they were on the Mount of Olives and they processed down into the valley and then up into um, Jerusalem. And I think it's helpful just to uh, have a sense of freedom that you also will have some ups and downs some peaks and valleys as you pray uh, with this material. So um, when we're, in just a few minutes, we're going to do a um, guided contemplation of the Garden of Gethsemane building on your prayer from last week. Uh, and if for some reason you didn't get to that, well, this is a special bonus for you because it will be fresh. Um, but to realize that part of what's happening is this movement and I don't know the last time it is that you climbed a steep hill. Uh, if you're not used to it, you know, your calves burn. Uh, your heart rate starts to go up. Pretty soon you start panting. Um, you know, this is just what happens, you know, as uh, we encounter gravity when we're trying to walk. Um, and so uh, one of the things that I'm trying to capture in this um, 
guided contemplation is this uh, movement um, to the Mount of Olives and that sense of climbing with Jesus up to this place where, he, where we are with him in the garden. Um, so with that in mind, uh, I, want, I have just um, got four suggestions for you. The first is that you take your time with these contemplations. There are really only, I think, four major contemplations that we're doing this uh, week, and you actually have two weeks to do them. So don't rush. Take your time. And uh, this is also a very important time to stay where the fruit is, if you remember that phrase from early on. You know, if there's a particular uh, contemplation that is just really powerful for you, don't feel like you need to, like, rush past that onto the next one. Uh, stay where the fruit is. Honestly, if you had one um, meaningful, truly meaningful prayer experience with one of those passages, you could say you had a good week of prayer. Okay? So it's not, you don't have to have an equally, like, deep mystical experience with everything that we, that we pray with. So stay where the fruit is. Um, encourage you not to uh, run away from the sorrow and the sadness here. Uh, sometimes I think the way the cross is introduced to us, the theological sort of ideas of propitiation and atonement, we can kind of abstract what's happening here and not be as aware of what this was like for Jesus, for the human dimension, and to actually, you know, be with him when he's dying. Uh, I think our natural response, if, if, if you have that mindset of like, you know, if we weren't such sinners, Jesus, this wouldn't have to happen to you, it kind of makes you want to hang your head in shame, right? But this is actually an invitation not to look down, but to actually look up into the face of Jesus as he uh, suffers and dies, um, and to keep him company. Um, I'd be curious from a show of hands in this room, how many of you have actually been with someone as they were dying and they took their last breath? Okay. So, well, over half of you. Um, as you know, that's a very, very profound um, experience. It's actually an incredible, incredibly privileged and intimate place. And uh, Jesus is inviting us through this, the, the power of the Spirit resting upon our imaginations to actually be with Jesus. So uh, don't hang your head in shame. Lift up your eyes uh, to let Jesus look at you and see you. Um, it may be that you find that he is actually comforted by your presence staying with him at the cross. And then my last uh, suggestion for you is just that you make the most of, of Holy Week. I know a few of you are not from Church of the Resurrection um, or you're at a church that might have a Good Friday service but not the whole thing. Uh, but regardless of um, how many uh, church services you have that will help you enter into these realities, just encourage you uh, towards the daily examen. If you have a really busy day, um, maybe a lot of church, is that you still capture what happened. You might want to take a few notes in your journal and to capture that. And then my final word of encouragement to you is just to remember this that we said a couple of weeks ago, 
this experience of darkness in the third week, um, that it's possible that you might actually feel unusually distant from the Lord. Um, and that can be distressing, especially if you really want to feel close and you don't. And uh, it could be that that's actually a part of your, of your, your experience. It's a way of entering into, um, into Jesus' suffering. And in the event that you really start to get like deeply, deeply discouraged um, in your prayer, I encourage you just to go back to the foundation of gratitude. Um, I had a conversation with um, a college-age woman uh, on Sunday morning, and she was standing next to someone who was just, as she said, really into it, you know, and um, into the into the musical worship. And she was like trying to be into it, but she like didn't really feel into it. And then she felt terrible, you know. And then she just started second guessing all her previous experiences of feeling close to the Lord, you know, like. Maybe I was just making that up. Maybe I was mentally ill. I mean, it was just taking her to dark places of doubting even her own experience. And uh, my encouragement to her was just to go back to the basics of gratitude. I'm like, you know, you're a college senior. Uh, you, this is an incredible accomplishment. It's been provided for you. You're saying goodbye to your friends. Um, just go back to gratitude. And notice all the gifts that are around you and give thanks to the Lord. Um, so I would encourage you, if for some reason you get deeply, deeply, deeply discouraged, um, go back to that foundation of gratitude. Um, in some ways, the only thing the Lord asks of us is that we would be grateful for, that all, for all that, that he gives us. That is our primary response to him as creator and us as creatures is that of gratitude. All right, so let me invite you to put all your books away for now. And um, we are about to start a, a guided contemplation in the Garden of Gethsemane. And I want to give to you just a little disclaimer at the very beginning. This is not like a high-tech rehearsed Sunday morning Church of the Resurrection experience. We have not rehearsed this. We have not made up final decisions on like how many times are we singing this verse or anything like that. Um, so uh, the Magnusons are going to lead us and we're going to do our best to follow and Christy's going to do her best to provide you some words. Um, <laughs> but these are really, really familiar songs so it's very possible that you won't need them anyways. So, you know, in the event that you start to get a little anxious, like, she doesn't have the right words up, just close your eyes and, you know, try to enter in. And, uh, and don't, don't, don't let our imperfections, like, get in the way of your, your connecting uh, with the Lord. Um, so basically what we'll, what we'll do is we'll begin in the upper room, um, gathered around the table with um, Jesus and his disciples for their last meal. And we're going to listen in on a little bit of, John, of his uh, prayer that's captured in... Um, John, and then um, uh, leave that room and begin to go down that, um, that hill, um, and then start our ascent up to the Garden of Gethsemane. So uh, let me invite you just to take a, does somebody mind closing the doors for us, actually? It'll be just about the time that some random person will go like, I don't know, laughing down the hallway on their cell phone or something like that.
Thank you so much. All right. So, yeah, make yourself comfortable. And perhaps as you prayed with uh, the disciples in the upper room, maybe there's an, maybe that image will come back to your imagination. Let's go back to that place in the upper room gathered around the table for Jesus' last Passover meal with his disciples. We listen in as Jesus prays. Father, I want those you have given me to be, to be with me where I am, to see my glory, the glory you have given me because you loved me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you, and they know that you have sent me. I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love that you have for me may be in them and that I myself may be in them. Scripture says that after their prayer, that they sang together. Jesus, give 
when they finished praying, Jesus left with his disciples and crossed the Kidron Valley. Descending into the valley. As Jesus and his disciples descended into the bottom of the valley, he said to them, You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep will be scattered. Notice the bottom of the valley. The temperature of the air, the quality of the light, the ground beneath your feet. You will all fall away, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd, and the sheep will be scattered. Ascending the Mount of Olives. Join the disciples as they climb the steep slope toward the Garden of Gethsemane. On the way up, Jesus speaks to his friends again. But after I have risen, I will go ahead of you into Galilee. Peter declares, even if all fall away, I will not. Truly, I tell you, Jesus answered, today, yes, tonight, before the rooster crows twice, you yourself will disown me three times. 
But Peter insisted emphatically, even if I have to die with you, I will never disown you. And all the others said the same. Notice this conversation between Jesus and his disciples. The emotions. The faces. Notice their bodies and your own as you walk with them, feeling the effects of this deep climb in your own body. On the other side of the Kidron Valley, there is a garden, the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus and his disciples walk into this place of prayer on the Mount of Olives. On reaching the place, Jesus says to them, pray that you will not enter into temptation. Leaving the larger group of disciples, Jesus leads Peter, James, and John, his closest friends, further and deeper into the quiet of the garden, where he begins to be dis deeply distressed and troubled. Watch Jesus as his distress increases.
My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death, he says to them. Stay here and keep watch. Jesus withdraws about a stone's throw beyond Peter, James, and John, kneels down and prays, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. an angel from heaven arrives to strengthen Jesus. And being in anguish, he prays more earnestly. And his sweat is like drops of blood falling to the ground. And now you are invited into the garden where Jesus is praying alone. Perhaps the Holy Spirit will bring to your imagination a time when you were with someone in this kind of anguish. Let that memory unfold give you a sense of 
Jesus experience. Notice to the angel attending to Jesus. And when you're ready, approach. Let Jesus know that you are there. Let him see you. Perhaps he's been waiting for you. Keep him company as he paces back and forth, checking on his friends. finding them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Simon, he says to Peter, are you asleep? Could you not keep watch with me for one hour? Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. There's no response from Peter. Return with Jesus to his solitary place of prayer. Once again, he goes away and prays the same thing. Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. When he comes back a second time, he again finds his friends sleeping because their eyes are heavy. They do not know what to say to him.
Returning the third time, he says to them, are you still sleeping and resting? Enough, the hour has come. Look, the Son of Man is delivered into the hands of sinners. Rise, let us go. Here comes my betrayer. Sing, I will sing to 
close with the Anima Christi. Soul of Christ, sanctify me. Body of Christ, save me. Blood of Christ, inebriate me. Water from the side of Christ, wash me. Passion of Christ, strengthen me. O good Jesus, hear me. Within your wounds, hide me. Permit me not to be separated from you. From the wicked foe, defend me. At the hour of my death, call me and bid me come to you that with your saints I may praise you forever and ever. Amen. I want to give you five minutes to um, write anything you might want to remember in your journal. Then I'll have just one thing to say and then we'll dismiss you to your small groups.
have about 30 seconds remaining. Okay, just one um, announcement in conclusion, and that is that we do not meet next week, the Tuesday of Holy Week. Uh, for those of you who are part of Church of the Res Resurrection, you know we have an awful lot of uh, church services, not to mention rehearsals and whatnot, so we will not meet the Tuesday of Holy Week, but we will meet the Tuesday after Holy Week, and that meeting is not up here, but downstairs in All Saints Chapel. So we have something kind of special planned for you, and we will send you uh, an email reminder so you know that. And then finally, uh, we're collecting um, RSVPs for our retreat day on May 18. And um, if you can't go, we're hoping to, we may have one um, alternative date. It won't be quite the same as the one on the 18th, but we're trying to work on an alternative date. If you're a student and you just can't come on the 18th, we are uh, trying to develop an additional one on the 4th. So if you RSVP and you say, we can't make it, I cannot make it on the 18th, that will signal to us to send you additional information about the one on the 4th. All right. Uh, blessings on you in the weeks ahead.